Ah, yes, please, come inside. We've been expecting you ever since we saw you have your little <laughs> accident down the road. Oh, uh, follow me right this way, will you please? We will get you to a telephone where you will be able to get in touch with a tow truck so that you can get on your way home. Oh, and please, don't mind the spiders. None of them are venomous. <laughs> Not in this area, anyway. So you will be perfectly safe, I promise. Just this way and we will get you to that phone. Ah, I see you are admiring the bookshelf. I admit it's a little bit dusty, you see. I don't do a lot of reading anymore, ever since I discovered Audible.com. What's that? You've never heard of Audible.com? They're the internet's leading provider of audiobook entertainment and spoken word entertainment. They have over a hundred thousand titles, more than you can listen to in one normal lifetime. Uh, you see, the wonderful thing about Audible is that you can try them for free. And you can do that by going to audibletrial.com slash atomic Oh, no, you go away. Please, go back to your room. Don't mind her. She's a little, um, disturbed tonight. She's not used to having guests around. Where was I? Oh, yes, Audible. Audibletrial.com slash Atomic Geekdom is a wonderful way for you to discover everything that Audible has to offer. You will get a free 30-day trial of Audible's fabulous services, and you will also get a free audiobook download. I want to recommend you one. It's called The Halloween Tree. Perhaps you've heard of it? Hmm? It's by... Oh, no, 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 please close that door. We are not going in there. You don't. Just ignore that. I promise you it will be okay. Uh, you... No, you... Shoot! You are disturbing our guest. I promise you nobody here is going to hurt you, especially not her. As I was saying, you might want to listen to The Halloween Tree by Ray Bradbury. It's a wonderful book and it's narrated by a fabulous, fabulous narrator named Bronson Pinchot. I've listened to him do several... Oh, no, my dear, don't... No, no. Oh, please, I promise, I can explain those bodies to you. Those, those were, um, those are here for science experience. Where are you going? Where are you going? Please, come back. Don't go away. Please, I need you to... Oh, no, no. <sighs> now, who am I going to prepare my dinner for? Hmm, I cut up all those bodies for nothing, it seems. Oh, well, please, go to audibletrial.com slash atomicgeekdom right now. You won't regret it. <laughs> Welcome to Atomic Geekdom. That old Just Two Pals podcast. Ringside Geeks. It's the only comedy podcast on the internet. It's the Coffee Jelly Hour. Two Broke Geeks. The Atomic Geekdom Network. It starts as an interest, then you're a fan, now you're a geek. Atomic Geekdom. Geek the day. Hi, this is Billy West. Or Stimson J. Cat. Or Lynn Hart. Shut up, you fool!
And I'm Dr. Zoidberg, and I'm saying hello with Professor Hubert Farnsworth and your Captain Zap Brannigan. You're listening to Two Broke Geeks. Joy! Here's Johnny! <laughs> What's your favorite scary movie? Uh, I don't know. What became of your lamb, Glory? All right. Hey, welcome to Two Bro Geeks. I'm Matt, and I've got a guest, and you're going to meet him in just a moment. But uh, you and him are both going to have to bear with me while I read my wordy little intro here, because you know, if you listen to this show, that I like to freaking talk. So here we go. Uh, there's an old saying. It says, never meet your heroes. Uh, I guess the idea is that if you meet them, you could be let down by who they are in real life. But uh, I guess personally, I've been pretty lucky. I've met almost all of my heroes in real life, uh, except for Stephen King. But uh, I've met Penn and Teller, Alice Cooper, Billy West, Corey Taylor, and all of them <clears throat> have inspired me both personally and creative, uh, creatively. And uh, all of them were just extremely kind to me when I met them. And I talked with them. In fact, Billy West has been on this show, had a long conversation with him. And it uh, meant a lot to me personally to tell them how much uh, what they do has inspired me in my life. Uh, but sometimes there is another situation in life, and that is one where you meet your hero and you don't even know it yet. Uh, in this situation, you meet someone, quote unquote, normal, you know, as normal as anybody can be. But in this sense, uh, just somebody that's not pre-known to you, a celebrity. And you uh, get to know this person and they become your hero and your inspiration. And uh, that is my guest tonight. He's a person like that. Uh, through the magic of the internet, we became acquainted after we both joined uh, the same Facebook group. And in this group, I learned he was a fellow creative person. Uh, specifically, he's a writer and a podcaster, much like I used to consider myself. Only uh, very quickly, I learned that uh, unlike myself, he was a real writer and podcaster, someone very dedicated who put in much more time and effort to both crafts than I had in a very long time. And it really opened up my eyes to how creatively uh, dead and unproductive I had actually become. Uh, when I was younger, I wrote all the time, which we'll talk about in this episode. Uh, but in recent years, a lot of my ideas have dried up. And real life has become more of a priority to me, making sure that, you know, there's food on the table and such. And I just sort of stopped making stuff. A novel I had started is just languishing in my saved folder. And uh, no short stories have been produced in quite a while. But I still held on to this stubborn belief that I was a writer. I thought of myself that way. And I didn't remember what being a writer actually meant and what it actually was before... Uh, this person's output and amazing level of output and just the stuff he was creating really reminded me, oh yeah, that's what it is. It's that drive and it's actually doing things and not just thinking about doing things and, and looking for excuses not to do things. It's actually saying this matters and I'm going to put in the time, even if it means I get 
uh, less sleep out of it. <laughs> so anyway, he's the creator of three successful audio dramas, uh, Atheist Apocalypse, Subject Found, and Diary of a Madman. And his first novel, as I'm sure he's going to talk about, is just around the corner. Uh, please welcome to this show for the very first time, my friend and my hero, Mr. Paul Sading. Oh, stop. But hi, how are you? How are you doing? That was uh, I'm great, Paul. You, thanks for thanks for being here. Man. Oh, well, hey, thank you for the opportunity. I've been uh, being interviewed for six years now, and that's probably the most epic interview, or, uh, introduction I've ever had. Thank you. I'm, a fe- I'm feeling well, a little I, uh, uh, little humbled right now. Yeah, well, uh, I subscribe to uh, two thoughts when I'm when I'm talking to people uh, on a podcast, and one is the Brett Easton Ellis model, and he has big monologues at the beginning of his podcast where he introduces people, and so does Kevin Smith. If he's interviewing somebody, he has big monologues where he introduces people and talks about you know what they mean and. Uh, why he's having them on and stuff like that. And I was like, you know, this is kind of important. Like Paul's, uh, Paul's somebody that I am getting to know through the uh, science of the internet, but he's somebody that probably a lot of people listening don't know yet. And, uh, you know, I wanted to make sure that uh, they got a good sense right off the bat of uh, who you are. And so uh, <laughs> now that I've introduced you and everything and um, gotten that part out of the way, I kind of just have you on here tonight to talk about uh just just creativity in general because um like i said uh, i've always been kind of a creative person and i think a lot of people that listen are creative people and uh, i just have lately been wanting to have more conversations with with artists of all varieties because I just like to pick their brains. And so I, I figured uh, I'd pick one of the most productive people I know right now and uh, turning out some of the best work. I'm just a masochist. We can, we can call it productive, but I'm just, a, I love torturing myself <laughs> with this stuff. I tell you what, well, I'm glad to, I'm glad to be here. I love talking to other creatives. Yeah. So. It's going to be enjoyable, and hey, if I can help someone through the uh, the course of our chat, mm-hmm. then cool. Excellent. Um, so, well, why don't I just start, <laughs> way, well, way back at the beginning. The beginning, what is it? Uh, the best place to start is the beginning, <laughs> Alice said. Right. So, um, did you always feel like a creative person? Like, growing up, were you like a creative kid, or was that something that came to you? Yeah, yeah I mean. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I all the way going back, the earliest memory I have literally is in second grade. I remember winning a, we all had to write a creative story as part of, of our curriculum at that time. And I won the mm-hmm. second grade contest, whatever <laughs> that that means. It's the only writing contest I've ever won. Go. So, hey, I, I started out way too, uh, way too well. Anyways, so I won this, uh, contest writing a you know a vampire versus werewolf story Mm -hmm. so i totally (laughs) totally was relevant before you know uh stephanie um oh shoot i forgot her name now that that proves to you how how good she is at what she does (laughs) oh my god don't even get me on that soapbox yeah but yeah so you know back in the 80s i was writing werewolf versus vampire stories anyways Mm um so yeah going back to that time i loved writing my literally as a child for a one christmas 
I was so into writing that my parents bought me um, an electronic typewriter versus the manual <laughs> typewriter. Yes, yeah, right? Yep. So you appreciate mm-hmm. how valuable those things were in regards to your productivity. Yep. Yeah, so I mean, even as a kid, I was always creating everything and anything that I could. Now, as far as creative writing goes, uh, writing fiction did, I did hit a a definite period of my life where mm-hmm. I went dark yeah. um, as far as writing fiction stories, but I was still creating during that time period. I've never, ever stopped. Uh, yeah. It's just, uh, that's, it's that's good, I have to do. Yeah, I I relate because I remember being a kid and the very first memory I have of something really creative is, uh, I I don't remember what grade it was in or anything, but I was very young because I remember it was was writing a story about your favorite stuffed animal. And I remember I had a very little lamb. His name was Baba and he was literally given to me like the day after I was born. So I had him for a while and I wrote a story about him and, and, you turned it into a little book and the book I had somebody help me cut it into the shape of like a little lamb head. (laughs) And so I remember this story about this little lamb going on the adventures with the other stuffed animals. And, and I kind of like to find it. I feel like it might be in my parents' house somewhere in a box because uh, growing up, I remember under my bed, there was just boxes of stuff that my parents wouldn't let me throw away because it was memory stuff that they might want to look at someday. So I bet that story (laughs) is somewhere and I'd like to find it again just to see what little, you know, second grade me or first, you know, second or third grade me was was uh, thinking at that time, what my imagination was doing with my, you know, with my little stuffed animals at the time. <laughs> but it, it's a, it's a good, you know, it's a good grounding mechanism for us to use. Uh, we're, we are our own worst mm-hmm. enemies when it comes to being creative. We, we will criticize ourselves long before other people. I mean, there will be trolls who see your stuff online, but them aside, you know, because they're trolling everybody. So I don't give them any of my attention or my time besides them. You will put something out into the world and it will be passable for you. And other people will write you and tell you how wonderful mm-hmm. it is. So yeah, going back and being able to ground yourself in something like you were saying there, your, your childhood uh, story, obviously that is going to be a childhood uh, story from the perspective of a right, child. Right. It'll read like the story from a child. But at the same time, as a creative, it's something that you can look at and go, you know mm-hmm. what? This has always been in my blood. And I've become part of, you know, this. I, I've become a cog in the machine. Yeah. And getting in touch with that part of yourself, I think that's a really neat thing. A really neat thing for all of us to yeah. do. It's hard, yeah. Oh, yeah. but it's a neat thing to do. And and I like that you just said that's it's funny that you said that, you know, you might put it out there and think it's passable and people will write to you saying how much it, it means to them. And it's I kind of discovered uh, as a joke, I heard somewhere or whatever, people talking about this series of and I don't know if you've heard of these or not. This may be a revelation for you, but a series of a homosexual erotic novels featuring Bigfoot that are available exclusively on Amazon. <laughs> and I said, it's fun. It is so funny. We are having this conversation because I had a fan of 
uh, subject found to actually write me this week, no kidding, this oh, no week, way. and say, hey, I just tripped across this. They did not explain how they tripped mm-hmm. across it, but they said, hey, did you know this was out it there? Was like in, <laughs> they felt compelled to let yeah, me know. <laughs> and so I was like, no, no. And so I looked at it and I'm like, wait a minute, this is really there. And I guess what it made me realize is, oh, in the internet, it doesn't matter if if you think it's good, or even if you do think it's good and uh, critics or, you know, there's trolls that come out of the woodwork to say it's not good. There's just a market for, if you have something creative to say and a story to tell, somebody in the age of the internet is going to enjoy it and they're going to love it because, you know, if there's people and not to put down the writer or the people that read it, it's just, if there is somebody out there reading homosexual erotic novels featuring Bigfoot with titles like paging Dr. Bigfoot attorney at large, then like there's, there's just something for everybody and there's a way for you to get it to those people, which is really cool. It's so true. It is so true. Yeah. So that's good. But yeah. And so, um, yeah, but I remember kind of like you, the, the electric typewriter and then the, the first word processor my family had. And here's something else I was thinking about that I had kind of forgotten until I started thinking about the fact that we were going to have this conversation. I remember my father had a friend and his friend was writing this novel and I met this friend of my dad's and he said, oh, um, have you been to writers groups on the internet? And this was back in the mid nineties, some point I had probably been on the internet once in my entire life. And I said, writers boards. No, he goes, well, here's some, here's some writers message boards. Come join us. We have these talks. We share our stories and we talk about them. Did you ever discover like when the internet was, did you ever discover anything like that early on? You know, with, with the, the one of the communities that I always struggled with was other writer communities mm-hmm. until like very, very recently. Mm-hmm. Literally, I'm not kidding. Within the past okay. year, when when you know when the because of the way my life panned out, and mm-hmm. like I was telling you earlier, with that dark period of my creative mm-hmm. spirit, you know, I had that creative spirit and. Unfortunately, I wasn't much of a dedicated student in high school, so I didn't have a whole lot of options coming out of high Mm -hmm. school, went into the military, and it was going into the military where my long-form creative spirit was really, really, really crushed. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, so, and when I say long-form, I know this isn't a video interview, I'm doing air quotes because even short stories... I didn't yeah. have the creative spark to get me through a short story during mm. that period of my life. So I say all of that to say that, yeah, even at the advent of, a, you know, a legitimate, sustainable Internet, I didn't find writer communities until very recently in my life. And I think a lot of writers do that, mm-hmm. though. We are we're private. The, the stuff that we do is very, very personal. And any writer worth their salt will tell you that what you read from the people that you admire and and the people who create the the stories that you enjoy, a lot of that stuff, unless they're writing with a team, a lot of that stuff is coming from, you know, 
not necessarily dark mm-hmm. because I mean we could be talking about any kind of any kind of right. writing, but the, it comes from very personable or personal um, spots in, in in their lives. So yeah, so it's hard enough as it is to to open up and to become part of those types of communities. Yeah, with things like Facebook and whatnot, mm-hmm. I have I've gotten better at it. But even for an extrovert like me, uh, it, it's been tough because, I, one, my personal preference is I don't like people influencing what I'm right. doing. You can see that in something like Diary of a Madman. Um, I did that on purpose. Mm-hmm. I didn't see enough audio drama out there that was mature, right. that was edgy, that kind of pushed the envelope and asked, that really asked the audio drama audience to to try mm-hmm. and see if they could tolerate something that was a little bit on the periphery. So when it when it comes to those communities, one of the things I found is you have absolutionists who tell you how art has to be. And man, yeah. the first <laughs> the one thing that will push me away from people in 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 respect to art is when somebody tells me how my art has to oh, be. Oh yeah, I it's I art. Agree. It's mm-hmm. art. If if you aren't pushing the edges, if you aren't asking questions, if you aren't challenging something mm-hmm. with your art, in in Paul's opinion, you're doing it yeah, wrong. I, you have to be making somebody think, making somebody uncomfortable, yeah. or you know, making somebody view something like they've never done in mm. in, in their entire lives. I, oh yeah, and. And just to to go back up just a little bit because I've been taking some mental notes here. Um, <clears throat> you talking about when you're going through your your dark creative period where you kind of went dark and didn't create anything. I that really hit home for me for for a couple reasons. Number one, because like I said in the introduction, and like I've kind of and you know me a little through social media and whatnot, and I've talked about it a little bit on there. Is that's how I've been feeling a lot over the past few years. Um, I would say four years ago, um, it was before I started dating my wife. So it yeah, it would be around four years ago. I was um, going through some personal mental stuff, and that's the first time I read American Psycho by Brett Easton Ellis, and it it rang true to me because, like you were just saying, with um, you know making the consumer of the art think and challenging perspectives. Um, American Psycho is this book that I had heard about for a long time and I had seen the movie and I had heard about how it was this, you know, misogynist work and it was this disgusting work. And as I was reading it and in the mindset I was in, I was like, this isn't, you know, misogynistic. This isn't violent. It is extremely violent in its depiction. But what it is, is it's a story about a person that is that is struggling internally to figure out who he is because at the end of that book, you're left wondering, did anything in the book really happen? Did Patrick Bateman really actually hurt anybody or was he having these violent fantasies because he was so upset on the inside and uh, spoiler alert for something that's coming down the pike from you and from me, that's, that gave me an idea for a book. And that idea for a book has turned into something that you have read and that you and I are working on together. 
<laughs> um, and so, and, and I still want to write that book and I have the beginning of that book, but, um, the mindset for that book went away for a while and with it kind of went all my creativity. And until, uh, I got to know you better, a lot of my spark was gone to create anything. And then, uh, you know, I met you and I got involved in some of the audio drama community that, that you were a part of. And I'm like, Oh, all these creative people are really sparking my imagination again. So, um, it does yeah. help to but be, I think that's yeah, important. it does help. That's important to do. It really mm -hmm. is. I, th I think one of the things that we do be here's the, here's the deal when it comes to creatives. The, the real world is that most creatives, none of us fall into this um, model where we we put together a manuscript over a, a year or two and, and some agent trips over mm. it and they love it and they give us a six-figure advance and life is glorious from then right. on. That's not what happens. And, and if you look at your successful indie publishers and whatnot, they are doing the same thing that all of us are doing. They're working day jobs. They have families. Mm -hmm. They and they write in the mornings before everybody is up. They write on their lunch hour. They write at night when everybody goes to bed. Whatever works for them. So, the thing that we we as creatives, I feel so passionate about, is this principle of the five people you surround that you are most close to are who you are going to be. Mm -hmm. I try very, very, very carefully, and you and I know each other on a more intimate level than we'll probably ever share any, anyway publicly, mm -hmm. but I have tried and deliberately removed myself from certain circles because of that principle. Mm -hmm. Who am I associating with most closely? Who are the, you know, the five people? They could be faceless people, but who are the five caricatures that I'm most closely associated with? And are those five people getting me to my end goal? My bucket list item. My wife knows this. My kids know this. My The, the thing I want to do besides be a great dad and a great husband is I want to be a published yep. writer. And I have to look at those five caricatures. Are those five people going to get me to be a published writer? This person's not. That person's not. They're not. Okay, those two mm -hmm. are. I'm going to hang around those two and I'm going to find other people like them. And and I think that's one of the things we ha we have to be very careful with. I have the fortune of professionally teleworking. So right. I have physical distance from my coworkers, whereas I know you mm -hmm. don't. So there's a dynamic there that I have a privilege over you that I don't have to associate yeah. with them until, you know, the the work requires it, whereas you do. So for anybody listening who is like, damn, I want I want to work on that thing I worked on when I was 14. Cool. But look around your real world. You know, yeah. whatever your job is, yeah, necessity requires that you associate with certain people to get your job done. But you're still the master of your destiny. Mm. And outside of getting XYZ done for the job, what are, are you sitting in the break room talking to them about you know, bull crap that doesn't matter. Or are you the person who goes and sits out on the dock or you go to your car on break <laughs> and punch out 50 words? It doesn't matter. 50 words is 50 words. And you're not around those. Or you go to your Facebook, like you were just mm -hmm. saying, or, you know, uh, some kind of blog somewhere on your break and you go reconnect with the writers 
for that for that 15 minute break. So where are you investing that time? Because man, that is so critical to keeping that spirit going. Because otherwise, we're gonna be drugged back into this this cycle of you know freaking work, rinse, repeat, work, rinse, repeat. Yeah. And that kills our creativity. It's true. And it's so horrible to see because there's so many people who can tell stories out mm-hmm. there and they just need to believe that it's a viable option. Yeah, I actually read a quote by, I just thought of this just now I and I pulled it up because I have it right here. I read a quote by Arnold Schwarzenegger lately that you just reminded me of. It is, uh, he says, it's so important that you work your butt off. Don't ever look for shortcuts. There are 24 hours a day. If you only sleep six hours a day, then you have 18 hours left. Most people work eight or 10 hours. So now you still have eight hours left. What do we do with those eight hours is really the question. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, it's, yeah. I, I try to, I try to be very careful because I know how motivated I am. And anybody who listens to horrible writing which mm-hmm. is a like a fifth fifth project that I've got going on. I'm sorry to say I'm I very haven't committed. gotten to that one quite yet. <laughs> it's it's on my list. <laughs> it's okay. I haven't published in a month and you know and it's and it was a weekly podcast that hasn't come out in a mm-hmm. month. So it's no it's no harm no fault. But it's a passion project. It's just me talking to other writers. But I I don't feel I do a service to anyone if I'm less than candid with them. So it, it, it is not a podcast for every creative out there. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I'm very real about is, yeah, you know, I've, like I said, I've got my family, mm-hmm. I've got my wife who's very busy. I've got my daughter who's very busy yep. and it sucks getting up at four fifty eight every morning. I start work at seven thirty, mm-hmm. Um, but it's something I have to do because otherwise this is how Paul approaches the world. When <laughs> I, I I'm a law, I'm a I'm a big picture dude. When I'm 80 and I'm in that retirement home and I'm exhausted and I just want fate to take me away from this physical realm yeah, yeah. and I'm leaning on that sink looking in the mirror, can I look in that wrinkled saggy man looking back at me and can I say you did everything you could to get published? Mm-hmm. Yes or no? It's a very easy question. So there are days when that alarm goes off when I'd rather do nothing but shut it off. But I've got myself to the point, and it's taken time. This didn't just, I'm not, I, I'm not trying to be flippant. No, I know. <laughs> but this didn't just happen, you know. Uh, I, well, I know you know because you know me, Your but point. any True. of your listeners, okay, yeah. Fair. <laughs> you know, they may not know. I, you know, this wasn't easy. This wasn't. I spent 24 years in the military with discipline and regiment. Right. And even still, after all a quarter of a century of doing that, it was still difficult. Mm-hmm. And it is still difficult. But I have to do it because I stay folk, I stay the eye on the prize. I know that feels icky and it feels like, you know, this is like a business podcast mm-hmm. now. But seriously, that creative passion, that fire that burns in yep. you, that, you know, even like you, Matt. I I've seen some of your posts and you're like, you're, you're in the middle of your day. Mm-hmm. And the only thing you want to do in the middle of your day is go create. And you mm-hmm. can't, cause you've got these real world things you have to do. That fire's there for a reason. Yep. And, and it's good. That fire has to keep burning. Right. Now, what do you do as that adult to, to tame that fire, to keep it under control to, you know, to, to address it. And for me, that's getting up. And, and for 
for any of your listeners who don't know me or don't listen to horrible writing or anything, yeah, yeah. one of the one of the self-defacing jokes that I make is I set the alarm at four fifty-eight. That way, I have a bragging point, and it's all psychological warfare with myself. I can literally say every day I get up, except for Saturdays and Sundays, mm-hmm. every day I get up before five a.m. to start writing, and I do. It's four fifty-eight. It's it's one hundred and twenty <laughs> yeah, seconds, yeah. but it's still before five a.m. to exactly, do it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, but, yeah. you know, we have to do. We have to do these things. Like like your quote to Schwarzenegger. Um, you know, successful people they don't rarely. Oh, okay, here's the thing about human psychology. We like to believe that everybody who is successful has had life served on a silver platter for mm-hmm. them. That's not reality, no. with very few exceptions. But because of human defense mechanisms, we like to put look at people like Paris Hilton and go, hey, look at she had life handed to her. Yes, she did. She's the anomaly. Right. Everybody, Stephen King was working 60 hour weeks. He was teaching. He was making crap money. He was living in a mobile home while he was working on Carrie and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and he was being rejected left, right, and center. This is a dude who's worth what? A half a billion dollars now or something oh, like yeah, that. Sure. You know, but that's where, what he fought through, um, in, in a world that disempowered writers, you know, you had to get agents, you had to publish short stories to be noticed. We have no Paul's opinion, we have no excuses. No. We have the internet, we have self-publishing. Everything is at our feet. We just need to do the work. Yep. And I think that intimidates some people and I don't want to scare anybody away from that. No. It, it is. And I know other, you know, I know other people besides yourself now that are that are coming in to that mindset where they're like, "All right, this these are the things I want to do." creatively and I need to make the time and make it important and all that stuff, which is just the way it is. And, and everybody kind of comes to that in their own time. I think as long as it is something that is important to them, like it's, you know, important to you or important to me or, uh, important Mm -hmm. to Stephen King or Dean Koontz or, you know, somebody that is pumping out in somebody else that is pumping out insane amounts of work, which uh, (laughs) was something I was kind of thinking about today because for some reason I was thinking about Jim Butcher, even though I've never read one of his books, but he's one of those guys that I walk into the bookstore and there's like 30 books by Jim Butcher up there on the bookshelf. And I'm like, oh my God, he's got to be writing constantly. (laughs) So... I, I understand. <laughs> so, all right. I want to get to audio drama because that's how I came to know that you were a creative. And until, uh, until I knew you, I was somewhat familiar with audio drama. Like I had listened to uh, Welcome to Night Vale, you know, because just because it was insanely popular and I had to go, what is this thing that's insanely popular? And I had kind of started to discover that there was the No Sleep podcast and other like story reading podcasts. Um, but when you came to it, was it still fairly new? And how did you come to, to write an audio? Uh, and your first one was Atheist Apocalypse. How did you come to, which I love, by the way, and everybody should check out. Um, 
because Thank it's you. frigging great and I can't wait for the new season. <laughs> but so how did where did Atheist <laughs> Apocalypse come from? Where did audio drama come in? Much like you, I had already been a podcast listener mm. and I was um you know, listening to a ton of different types of podcasts, but it was mostly restricted to um, talk radio oh, yeah. Yeah. and sport and sports because um, one of the things any of your military listeners will understand is we get stationed all around the world. And when I was an 18 year old, I got stationed in Germany. I grew up in New York as a baseball mm -hmm. fan. It was baseball all year round. And then I got stationed in Germany before there was any satellite TV that would carry baseball. And I had, or I, I met a German lady who ultimately I married mm -hmm. and her brothers thought it was so cool that there was an American in the family and they were going to introduce me to their sport, which was football, soccer. Oh, and, uh, you know, I started going to European soccer games and I immediately fell in love. So then when, when the military moved me back to the States, I was like, I miss soccer and there's no news. So that's how I found podcasting was, uh, through that. And then mm -hmm. I got into more humanitarian type or humanistic type things. I got into more secular type podcasting mm -hmm. and it was fine for its run, but the nature of those, well, sports is great, but it's seasonal. Secular podcasting for me was difficult because it was very focused on the negative and I'm not a negative person. I'm a progressive person right. and I'm not really big on let's complain about things to the nth degree. I'm more of, hey, let's do something. Mm -hmm. This thing sucks. Let's go fix yep. it. So I started getting burned out. So one day I'm sitting in my driveway building a retaining wall, not in my driveway, I promise, but I had like, you know, four yards of dirt delivered and anybody yeah. who does landscaping yeah. knows how much friggin' dirt that is. And I'm in Washington state and it's raining. <laughs> of so the four yards of dirt that I had delivered now weighs about 18 tons, I swear. And I'm exhausted and I'm out there literally night after night after night. And, and, and I was just shoveling and I was out and, and I was frustrated. There was this internal pit bull that was chained and I didn't, I didn't recognize what was happening. This beast within that was shouting, Hey, stupid here, I'm here. Pay attention to me. And then when I was doing that project, because I had so much time away from my computer, away from the TV, away from distractions, I realized what it was, was there's a story inside of you that wants to be told. Yeah. You know what podcasting is. You are tired of people griping and complaining, then not doing anything about what they're griping and complaining about. And laughter is actually not only cathartic, but it's very, it can be very productive. And, yep. and I, I swear to you, man, all of a sudden the term atheist apocalypse popped in my yep. head because I was listening to a lot of secular podcasting. So atheist was at the front of my mind and atheist apocalypse. Oh, that's funny. So here I am shoveling wet dirt into a wheelbarrow, taking it around the back of the house, dumping it and repeating this mm -hmm. over and over for hours. Just thinking about what is an atheist apocalypse? What would it look like? What would it be? And that's how that show grew. Because like you, I was influenced by Night Vale, like a lot of people yep. are. Um, I tripped across it because of a fan of mine from when I used to do secular podcasting. And he said, and I used to do like these story bits. 
here's another indication that I should have been writing fiction from yeah, the yeah. beginning. Uh, and he said, hey, man, I know you do these little bits, but have you ever heard of this show? And I thought, what the hell is that? Mm -hmm. And once he told me about Night Vale, I found that. And then I found We're Alive, which is a zombie apocalyptic type type of Never show heard that one. and man my world changed i didn't know that stuff existed mm -hmm. had no idea and that's when atheist apocalypse was born was in the, all of these things lined up at the same time Perfect. and i said i'm gonna do that what those people are doing i'm gonna go do because that is fun and unlike what i'm doing with this secular stuff i can actually communicate a message to people right. without punching them in the face or without alienating I, I, I can approach it from a way that I would approach things in, in, in the real world. I would sit down with somebody I disagree with, and I would actually want to commune with them, find those common points, and actually have a conversation versus telling them why they're wrong, which happens a lot online, yeah, unfortunately. No <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> so that's where it came from, and, and I thought comedy was the right way to do it. Now, had I my druthers, and could I reverse time? I might have named it differently mm -hmm. uh, because that, sh and, and I would have done a lot of things differently, but it was a first adventure into audio drama. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't regret it. I learned a lot in it in things like subject found and diary of a madman and who killed Julie. All of those shows now benefit mm -hmm. from that experience I had with atheist apocalypse. Yeah. And when I first discovered audio drama, I remember when I was a kid, I had, this collection of cassette tapes that was all old Sherlock Holmes radio plays from back before there was television. <laughs> and they did yeah, yeah. like, and a lot of people know about things like Gunsmoke and Bonanza. Well, Gunsmoke and Bonanza used to be on the radio before they were on TV. And this Sherlock Holmes <laughs> thing was, and it was just, and when somebody introduced me to radio drama, you know, when I first heard, uh, Night Vale and everything. I was like, oh, this is like those because this is great. I I love this. Let me find more. And and that's how I kind of found uh, Atheist Apocalypse and No uh, No Sleep, and which is a little bit different. I, I tend to think of No Sleep not as an audio drama so much as like a storytelling podcast, but that's splitting right. hairs, obviously. I still I still love it. And uh Wicked lot. Yeah, I don't get into that yeah. that that kind of. I don't like that divergent attitude mm -hmm. that I see too too often. There's a uh, new audio drama that's coming. I I don't know a lot of particulars, mm -hmm. but anyways, he or they reached out and thanked me for the support that Fate Crafters, which is a network that I launched, mm -hmm. um, supported them, and and has and. I, I simply replied with, I'm not into that competitive crap, and I'm really not. Yeah. You know, people are going to like what they... You said that earlier, actually. Mm -hmm. People are going to like what they like, and, you know, when we were talking about trolls and, and people aren't. And that's one of the things that this experience has taught me is to... I thought I had thick skin, and I really believe to this day I still did, mm -hmm. but... Putting my art out there has really taught me what thick skin is. It's okay. I'm totally okay now. I, dude, I've been podcasting for six years and I've never had a, a one star rating ever. The lowest I ever had, mm -hmm. I think, was like a, a, a three star. Maybe I had one three star. Um, but 
with Diary of a Madman, I've got five one-star ratings. Yep. And at first, honestly, that was really hard for me. But working with people like um, John Girls from Small Town Horror and Creepy yep. Pod and other creatives has really helped me. And, and help me see that when you get into this, you are going to touch people in a way that no other form can. And they're going to react to that either favorably <laughs> or or they're going to say they're going to put one star, you know, like Diary of Man Man. Anybody can go fact check me on this. Who Here's this episode. Yep. You can go to Apple Podcasts. You can go see I've got five one star ratings and then you can go click at the um the, the you know, those comment things. Mm -hmm. Not a single one of those people has put a comment on there. They just want to go let everybody know they hated that podcast. Yeah, but in a way, weird. that's validation for me. It, it's weird, but it's validation because I deliberately set out, like I told you earlier, uh, to to. I, this is art, man. This we should not fall into some expectation that you have to deliver an audio drama in a certain way with a certain message and be super friendly to everyone. Mm -hmm. No, I, this is art. Some of the creepiest stuff I've seen like recently, I know you guys on your show talk about pop culture yeah. a lot, you know, like black mirror, oh, black yeah. mill, black mirror got me because of that first episode. Yep. Spoiler alert for any of your fans who haven't seen it yet, we've, please we've go check so it out. We've talked so much about Black Mirror, dude. On our, It's the pig fucking episode. Oh my God, man. That first episode, that pig fucking episode, man. That, for me, yeah, it's disturbing. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, that's the beauty of the art is because they took me out of my comfort zone and they made me face something that I would never have thought to face before. Yeah. And that, I feel, that's what art is supposed yeah. to do. So when I look at all these other, not I shouldn't say that. Let me correct myself. When I look a lot at a lot of audio drama, I don't listen to a lot of audio drama. Mm -hmm. I, and you know, I'm in groups, and a lot of people will write me and say, "Hey, man, you're really influential. Thank you." Blah blah blah. Great, thank you. I'm glad you're in the game. Mm -hmm. My challenge to anybody who thinks I'm influential into getting them into audio drama is go do something different. Please, for God's sake, can please go do something different. Yeah. Don't give us the same safe stuff. And that's a, Make us yeah. fail. And that's kind of why I, you know, I started right. I had an almost complete audio drama. And when I finally stepped back and stepped back and looked at it from 3000 feet, I was like, God, I, I fucking hate this. This is just derivative of so many things that already exist. I like the 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 idea of the main story but the format is like the standard news broadcast format and yada yada and i have to rework this from page one because i want to create this thing but i don't want it to be just another safe thing i want it to be my thing <laughs> so yeah, yeah, you know how that goes. It's it's one of those things. Well, and where... I think and I think it's part of the. I think it, to in fairness to you, I think it's part of the maturation process of audio drama. Mm -hmm. There, there are there are going to be Night Vale is the foundation. Whether people like it or not, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I live near Seattle. 
I've gone and seen Night Vale perform live twice. Mm -hmm. The last, the first time was on Halloween a couple of years ago in Vancouver, British Columbia. The very next year, I went to go see them in Seattle. And as an audio drama, a podcast about fake crap, they had a 3,000, 4,000 seat uh, um, theater mm -hmm. sold out. So I saw the potential of, of audio drama. And yep. they, they are the foundation, which is fine. What that means for those of us creating and for any of your listeners who are like, I want to try my hand at that. Here's the thing is the audience is growing. Night Vale set the standard, but Night Vale is not the yeah. standard. The, the audience will mature. The audience will grow. And we have things in our favor. The BBC is bringing more um, audio dramas on. There are professional studios uh, that are... Uh, and I'm not going to name them because yeah. you know I want to give independents the love, not professionals. But there are uh, professional studios bringing audio dramas into popular mm -hmm. uh, the, the the pop culture. So there is a marketplace for all of you, for every single one of you listening to this. It doesn't matter how demented, how twisted, how outside the norm your story is. Tell it because, like Matt said, there is somebody mm. out there that wants to hear that story. Yeah, and and we really, really need it. We really and do. Maybe, maybe now I haven't gone searching because probably just because of what I personally enjoy in tastes, but it seems like audio drama is a lot of horror and weird. Am I, am I wrong? Is there like, not like a lot of, um, well, not, and maybe I don't know, maybe there is, but like for people that maybe enjoy rom-com or just comedy in general, I don't know how many comedy audio dramas there are uh, personally or anything like that, but it seems like when I hear about the popular ones, they're always in the the horror type genre or the the science weird type genre like um tannis for example or something like that and so i'm like i'm thinking to myself i feel like there's even more room for people that are like well i like to create uh funny stuff i like to create like i i'd like to write like a sitcom type audio drama and i feel like there's probably a lot of room for that right now no, you're no, you're absolutely right. The the problem, again, air quotes, mm -hmm. the problem is okay, so there's a couple things at work here. One, there's money. There are certain ways to get attention in audio drama mm -hmm. that most of us can't we we don't have access to. I've told everybody from the beginning, the reason I started Fate Crafters was because I wanted to smash the gatekeepers. Mm -hmm. I'm tired of people at Apple podcast and certain um, I'm not going to name them here, but there are certain people who are influential in terms of who gets listened to and who doesn't. Yeah. And so what the, the general public is seeing is a, through a filter. They're seeing what Apple podcasts and their associated contacts want you to see. Mm -hmm. And then there's the influencers, the movers and the shakers in audio drama who are telling you what you need to see. And it's very hard for the average person to break that paradigm and get noticed. And there's a lot of quality out there. Yeah. One of the things, 
one of the examples I'll I'll give to everybody. This is not my show whatsoever, and I know he'll be okay with me saying this. But attention, Hellmart shoppers is by Throw Smiley, completely independent, and he came across my attention simply because he presented himself as a a part a, a part of the community. I pay attention to these things, and I noticed this one show was being supportive of all these other independent shows. And I thought, huh, interesting. And then I looked at his Twitter account. Interesting premise on his Twitter account. So let me check him out. So I listened to his show. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, my God, that's funny. That's a comedy about a a show. uh, uh, I'm sorry, about a superstore. You guys can all fill in the blanks about what Hellmart (laughs) Mart is. But he, you know, he says Hellmart is located over the gates of hell. So it's a supernatural comedy of a, Ooh, of a chain me. store. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, man. And it, and the and the dude is so talented. If any of your listeners listen to um, "Hello from the Magic Tavern," is a wonderful audio drama. They started the same month that Atheist Apocalypse mm-hmm. did, but because they're talented. They've been on, uh, you know, uh, uh, U.S. tours. They've been on um, improv yeah, shows. Yeah. They, they've, they're just amazing. Anyways, um, I, I wrote to him one day after listening to an episode, and I said, "Hey, do you have Matt Young, who is an actor on uh, Hello from the Magic Tavern?" I said, "Do you have Matt Young on your show? That's amazing." Mm-hmm. He said, no, that's all me. So every voice, except for the female voices that you hear on Attention Hellmart Choppers, is the same wow. dude. It's Thoreau Smiley. He lives in Wisconsin, and he's just just like all of us. He works a real job, and he writes in his spare time, and he creates that show in his other spare time. Yep. And, and, you know, I I reached out to him, and, and that's how he got my attention and I totally forgot where I was going with this, but it was all about the independence and trying to avoid, um, you know, the, 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 it's either the money or what very few, anybody who listens to this, who likes audio Mm -hmm. drama, all you have to do is go pay attention. If you're watching, you'll see who those gatekeepers are and who those people are who tell you which shows to like, and you, all you have to do hint, is go to Apple Podcasts and go look at arts slash performing yep. arts and look at the top shows. Yeah. You'll see who is being told what you need to go like. The problem is you're losing a lot, of, like like you're saying, mm-hmm. Matt, you're losing a lot of wonderful shows that are a variety. They're rom-coms. They're straight-up comedies. Mm-hmm. They're straight-up dramas. Yep. Um, and it's unfortunate. So what happens, because I also see behind the scenes is here's the deal i get up at 458 every day five days a week and then on saturdays or sundays one of the days of the weekend i work on my writing i'm working six hours a day or six days a week on my audio drama there's no money in audio drama there are there's potential but there's no money so what happens is you have people chasing that break they're chasing the chance to get discovered, to get commercial sponsorship, to get, uh, you know, there's a couple podcasts coming up that are getting uh, television I deals. Know. People are chasing that. Yeah. So 
Yeah. So what are people doing? They're writing to the market. The market is sci-fi and horror. Mm. So to all of your, to your question and to your listeners, yep. the, the, the world is open to you. If you are not writing horror, if you are not writing sci-fi, the, the, literally the gates are wide open. You need to be the one to walk through that. You've got to have quality. Of course. Of but course. You, if you come through that door with quality, mm-hmm. you've got a very good chance of getting noticed because nobody else out there is doing yeah, it. Yeah, it's true. Unfortunately. So there are some people who are, are doing, they're trying to do those things. We are behind the scenes in Fake Crafters. We're working on a couple mm-hmm. Uh, non-sci-fi, non-horror shows, but all this stuff takes of time. Of course. Um, well, let's. Oh, you know which one of your shows we haven't talked? We talked a little bit about Diary of a Madman. We talked a little bit about uh, Atheist Apocalypse. Now I want to ask about Subject Found because Subject Found is your show that is super fascinating to me because I know how much you've thought about subject found in the future (laughs) and how many season ideas you have for subject found. Talk about what subject found is a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's, I'm glad you asked because that's actually my baby. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the one that I wake up and I get excited about. And when I'm not working on it, I feel that it's kind of like, if any of your listeners can think back to when they were, you know, 15, 16, 17, mm-hmm. and they just got broken up with in their first weekend without their girlfriend or boyfriend, they're longing for them. Yeah, that's yeah. what Subject Found is like for me. It's the thing I like. I just love it because there's so much flexibility. So the, the, the show was going to be called Found, mm-hmm. but unfortunately for me, I got a couple of the social media platforms for that name. And then uh, there was a certain show that came out that emailed me and asked me to change my name because they published under that name before uh, I did. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. unfortunately, I did. But, but here's my shout out to somebody I absolutely adore. Kelsey Rolinicki mm-hmm. is my artist. If you go look at Atheist Apocalypse, Subject Found, Diary of a Man, Man, Who Killed Julie? If you go look at that artwork, mm-hmm. That is the same woman who does all of that artwork. She it's great stuff. she does the Scottish podcast. Oh my god, she does so Real much great. stuff. She sent me a fantasy uh piece that she's working on. Her and I are real close because we work on so she's she's designing the book covers for mm-hmm. me. Um so she sent me a fantasy piece cuz she knows I'm a, fa- a high fantasy yeah. geek and uh she said, "Hey, what do you think about this?" And I mean, she got she's so talented. But um she is actually the one who came up with Subject Found. I I threw out like four or five ideas mm-hmm. because I did want to change the name. I didn't want to get into the biggest dick contest right, of course. with this, uh, this other podcast. I just wanted to get my story out there. And she said, "What do you th-? And she understood the premise. Each season is standalone. So any of your fans who are also, fans of American Horror mm-hmm. Story, the TV yeah. show. I freaking love Guys, that premise. Li- I, I love do too. Guys, listen oh to God, Subject man. Found, the first season. It's so goddamn good. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that that Subject Found came from American Horror Story. I was watching American Horror mm-hmm. Story, 
And I'm not a fan of every season, like the circus season, I didn't really care mm-hmm. for, right? But there are seasons, but the, the premise is, you know, standalone story each season. We bring back most of the same actors to do this new story. And I thought, God, nobody in audio drama is doing that. I want to do it. So how can I do that? Legend and lore. Boom. Yep. There is so much legend and lore in the That's world true. that I could write fictional stories around. I could u- reuse most of the same actors every single season, mm-hmm. all under the umbrella of the same brand, yep. the same name, i.e. subject found. So that's what I did. Now, me being a Bigfoot geek. Now, I grew up in an age when the Patterson-Gimlin film. Now, a lot of people might not know what yeah, that yeah. is, but you'll know what the picture is is of the the supposed bigfoot crossing the creek bed with its arms swinging looking over its shoulder any of you who can picture that in your mind that's the patterson gimlin film and so i was like 10 years old and that thing was like 20 years old when it came out but i was always a bigfoot yeah. geek i live now in the pacific northwest which is you know bigfoot territory mm-hmm. so when i came up with this idea i knew it was a perfect marriage of my passions. Audio drama, lore, Bigfoot. It just made right. sense. I caution that to say that uh, recently certain market situations drove me to release the second season trailer earlier than I wanted to. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to show this bigger audience that this show is exactly that. It's all about taking fiction or uh, taking lore and legend and fictionalizing it the best that I can. Mm-hmm. And uh, season two is going is, is just like that. It's, it's another, um, it, it, it's another element of lore and legend fictionalized. And season two, I'm really excited about because it's, it's really different from season mm-hmm. one. Anybody who's heard, or if you go out after this interview and you hear the trailer for it, you'll hear it's a lot more mature. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly that what I want. Is I want used the shit out of me, by the way, <laughs> which I liked because I'm like, what is this? What is this? I need to know. So yeah. So for anybody who hasn't heard it, there's literally ninety five percent of the one minute trailer is sound effects. 5% of it is actual dialogue and there's no exchange in the dialogue. It's one way dialogue mm-hmm. the entire way. And we did that on purpose. I'm very fortunate. I have uh Jared, oh, Jared, John McClane is the actor in season one. He plays Jared, the main character. You and I met Bruce him through Willis? Facebook. <laughs> and I'm I'm so lucky to have that dude. He actually owns Dog and Pony Studios in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. which is a professional sound studio. So they design sound for a lot of the th- commercials yeah. and things you see in in Las Vegas and out of LA and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But the dude loves audio drama and like you Matt, he was talking, you know, he he remembers growing up with these audio stories. Yeah. And now the audio drama is making a resurgence. He wants in. So I cast him because I love his voice in season one. But then he said, hey, man, this is what I do for a living. So if you ever need any help and circumstances felt like they did. 
and I approached him for season two, and he was all in. So I'm very fortunate. Fans of Subject Found are in for a, a an absolute treat Excellent. in the second season. The sound is just, I, I'm very, I'm humbled, and I'm very lucky. I really mm-hmm. am. But you don't have to be a Bigfoot fan to like it, because guess what? Ladies in the crowd for the two broke geeks, yep. guess what? I'm very much a romantic at heart. So even in in season one, I've got a uh, sub uh, romance stories. A sub yeah, it's, it's about Bigfoot in a kind of unfocused sense because it's actually about the main characters coming to terms with his own obsessions, and it's about how his uh basically his mental health because he is unhealthily obsessed with this thing how his mental health affects his marriage and everything like that so it's a lot more than just oh here's a story about bigfoot which i think is is important in any kind of story about uh monsters and myths and legends is they have to tap into things that speak to us as complex individuals well yeah and that's the one thing about my storytelling i i will admit it right up front is i'm a character driven writer Mm. so character driven fiction works for me you could tell me the same story i've heard a hundred times but if you if it's character driven i'm bought in because i care i care about that person one of my one of my gripes with audio drama in the state of 2017 is a lot of it is plot driven Mm. this thing happens in this mysterious town blah 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 you know (laughs) i don't care i don't care about the town i don't care about the mysterious thing i don't care about your podcast i'm sorry that you spent you know 300 hours working on it i want to know those people and I think that, you know, that speaks to a lot of us is, and I think that's one of the things audio drama is missing. So again, to, to, to encourage you, Matt, mm-hmm. and to encourage your audience, anybody who's excited about creating and you only, I don't care if you have 10 minutes a day, work on this stuff for 10 minutes yeah. a day. Stop giving yourself excuses why you're not doing yep. it. Daniel Tosh can wait. He's funny, but he yeah. can wait. It's a, that's why God created DVRs. Write that story for 10 minutes and focus on that character yeah. because we relate with that. That's what drives passion. That's what drives a story. That's why I And, finally, and that's what Subject oh, Found, like you yeah. just said, that's what Subject Found is about in season one. Yep. It's about Jared. And, and And if anybody goes out to like Apple Podcasts and looks at the description... I deliberately wrote that description to focus on Jared in season one and Janice in season two. Yes, I have a preference for J names. I don't know Mm. why, because I, I, as I'm writing, I care about those people. I'm in their heads. I know who they are. The legend and the lore is interesting. Mm -hmm. How it impacts the world is interesting. But like you, I care about the pe- you know the yeah. people in the story. That's why I and finally I had through. to Oh, it does cuz that's why I finally and I don't know why it took me so long, but that's why I finally had to jump ship on um on Night Vale because eventually I went, "Oh, you know, this is just a podcast about 
how freaking weird can we make things? How much can we push the weird button? And it's very little about the characters involved. Like there, there are characters there, but you don't really care. They're just kind of there to further the, how weird can we do this? Let's describe cats as floating stationary spiny creatures and yada 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 on it and finally this past year i went why have i been listening to this for so long <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and i jumped ship because it was it, i was like i can't and when you talk about plot driven this is the other thing i've noticed with some audio dramas and i i, I won't say what they are it's not fair to them necessarily but the blowing up of the balloon, the constant let's add another layer on top of this and now let's add another layer and let's add another layer, but let's not actually answer any questions. It it gets frustrating to, to get kind of invested in a character, but then have somebody go, oh, well, this is a plot. And this is another reason I kind of like Subject Found and Diary of a Madman because you're doing something different every season instead of trying to stretch your story out because I've got some audio dramas I listen to that I'm in the second season and I'm like, when are you? When is this ending? Like, how, how much further can you advance this story? Because it seems like you have no end in sight. <laughs> so, Man, there's a lot of people like that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. They don't have an insight. Here's the thing, and I think this is my opinion. I think I had the luxury of being older, mm-hmm. of being comfortable in my life and being happy, <laughs> relatively speaking, mm-hmm. happy with who I am. I, and God, I don't want to say this like, I'm, like it's going to sound. I mean this with the most loving heart I can say it with. I don't care what my listeners think. I want them. I, 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 I care about their investment in the story. Mm -hmm. So I don't care if you're mad about X, Y, Z. I don't care if you're mad that the first madman sucked and the second madman is great or vice versa. Um, I want you to, to be absorbed by the story. Right. I don't, uh, here's a, here's a good example in, in subject found spoiler alert. Second episode. I kill a dog. Mm-hmm. It's a fictional dog. You would not believe how much shit I put up with because I killed the dog in the second episode, Ooh. but I don't care <laughs> that you are upset. I I'm a friggin' dog I lover. Know, dude. I, I'm, I, man, I love my dogs. All of a sudden I'm but thinking that's about thing. something. And... <laughs> because I love my, yeah, because I love my dogs. That's why I wrote yeah. it. I wanted you to get mad yeah. at me or at the story. Yeah. I wanted you to get upset because then you're invested. Now, if you are so upset that you unsubscribe, I don't care because I, my, my allegiance is to that story, whatever that means, whether that's one subscriber or 1 million subscribers, my allegiance is to that story first. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately I don't, and, and anybody who has gone and read my post on audio drama, I've never changed my tune on that. Mm -hmm. I don't feel there are enough brave writers out there. So this is, to your your fans, this is a you know throwing the gauntlet down. Mm-hmm. 
I want to see brave writers. Yeah. I want to see people, you know, like you and I were talking about the Black Mirror writers. I want to see people who are going to say, you know what? That's great that you think that. I'm going to go create this. Mm-hmm. And well, I, I'll give you and, an exa- I'll give you an example that that kind of goes in line. Like you said on on this show, we talk a lot about television and movies and entertainment and and you're right because when you're in the world that i'm in of you know being a comic book fan and being a movie fan and you delve deep enough into that world and you go wow a lot of these people really think which is in a way it's kind of understandable because you spend years being invested in things but on the other side it's like they're not the creative people but a lot of people end up thinking they own these characters and they have the right to demand things of the artist and to complain at the artist. And it's like, guys, sit back and take it in. The artist's job is just to tell you a story. It's not necessarily to tell you a story that you like. And if you don't like the story that the artist is telling, you can find another one. It's it, So that's like, even though like when Batman versus Superman came out a few years back and people like went right down the middle. Some people loved it and some people hated it. And the people that hated it said, you know, Zack Snyder is like the worst director to ever touch Batman or Superman. It's like, guys, I didn't like the movie. He made a whole hell of a lot personally, but God damn it. He made his movie that he really wanted to make that he saw in his head. And that's what I want director. I want people to make the things that they see. And so, so I didn't like Batman versus Superman. There's going to be another Batman movie. Maybe I'll like the next one. Maybe the next director will make something I enjoy. I just hope that he gets to make the movie that he wants to make, not the the one that the studio is sitting there going, uh, well, we see that a lot of fans like these things and that a lot of fans don't like these things. So don't do these things in your movie, but definitely put in a lot of these things because I don't, (laughs) I don't, that just makes for shitty art. It really, art by committee can be a great thing. There's a lot of, stuff that goes well in collaboration. But when you have one person that's just taking the direction from other people and not getting to put their input into the vision, boy, do you get shitty art? (laughs) Oh yeah. No, I, I absolutely. (laughs) One one, this is art, man. This Mm -hmm. isn't, uh, it's, I mean, you and I could talk for, you know, I feel weeks on this stuff. that's the purpose of art. Mm -hmm. If you look at human history in memoriam, you can see where art has always challenged the establishment. Now, for some reason, since 2005 or whatever it is Mm -hmm. with Facebook, it's almost as if you can't, you're not allowed to challenge the establishment. If you look, mm-hmm. I'm looking r- literally right now as we speak. If you look at the Apple top 200 for audio drama, mm-hmm. you will see nothing but corporate 
podcast for quite a while, except for Fate Crafters at number 17. Woo! Girl in Space, Sarah Werner. Um, she really rocked it, but she's a you know, she's an absolutely mm-hmm. uh absolutely wonderful person. But if you look at those at the at those podcasts, um this is what we they know human nature. Human nature is lazy. The typical the typical podcast audio drama listener is going to go out and they're going to go like, "Oh my god, I like black tapes. Mm-hmm. Let me go look." And then they're going to go look at the two or three podcasts that are associated on Apple with black yep. tapes. So, as we're talking, I'm going to go look at those. And oh my gosh, every single I'm scrolling as we talk. Every single one of those is a corporately backed podcast. Mm-hmm. It's people with money invested. Mo- and here's the thing: money invested, yep. who are creating art. Whereas independent artists are create, like you were saying, Matt, who are creating what they see as a story. And unfortunately. Unfortunately, our species haven't hasn't got to the point, and I think unfortunately we're diverging from the point where we actually challenge that and go, you know what? They're telling me I need to go see this. I'm gonna go look for something the complete opposite. Yeah, yeah. And every time I look into I, I literally, dude, honestly, I don't look at the iTunes top two hundred anymore because it's too depressing. All I see is money backed act LeVar Burton. Mm-hmm. I don't I can't compete with LeVar Burton. No. I can't. No. But yet he's he pops up out of the blue to do an audio drama to read other people's stories as his full-time job yeah. while I'm a average Joe working a full-time job with a family creating the stuff at 5 o'clock in the morning. And he immediately gets the attention that I will never get, that Helmart will never get, mm-hmm. that... You know, all of these independents will never get, and it's unfortunate, but that's the reality. So that's what we feed the machine. We, we own it to change what we consume. Unfortunately, most people yeah. won't go do well, that. That makes me want to talk real quick since you've mentioned it a few times. Let's just talk, let's touch on Fate Crafters because Fate Crafters is really cool. Just talk, yeah, thank you. Talk I, about I, love I love it. I love it. So fake cra- here's the thing. Um I I I'm not going to name drop. Here I I am very lucky only because I've sacrificed a lot in my life, but I'm very lucky to be where I am in life where financially I don't need audio drama to to feed my family and put a roof over my mm-hmm. head. So I will be more outspoken than other dependents that you will see and 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 I'm not talking to you, Matt, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, you know, my story, but your, your fans, other dependents, you will see, I'm going to always be very real with you. I don't need you to feed my family. I want you to like my stories because I want to share my stories with you. If you don't like them, fine. If you love them, great. Come on board. So two years ago, I started fake crafters with a guy because I wanted to give a platform to our podcast because I went out to my audio drama brethren and I said, Hey man, Hey everyone. I'm really worried about people with money coming into this new medium Mm -hmm. because I know how I consume media when I, when it's eight o'clock at night and I've had a 14 hour day, 
I don't care about anything. I just want to plop down on my couch, eat some popcorn and watch something off of Netflix. Yeah. But during my day, I can't sit in front of my TV. So what do I do? I'm not going to listen to over the air radio. Nobody listens to that anymore. I'm going to listen to podcasts. So everybody in Los Angeles knows that too. They're coming into audio drama. Two years ago, I said this to people. Mm. And I said, why don't we start our own independent network where we help each other? There's no money involved. This is literally a co-op. So you help me, I help you. We all grow together. None of us have a financial investment in this whatsoever. That died on the vine. But then last year, I was approached by somebody when I was jaded and down in the dumps. And he said, hey, man, I really believe in what you said about faith crafters. Let's relaunch it. Are you Mm -hmm. in? And I said, yeah, I am. So in about February, well, January of 2017, we relaunched fate crafters. January, February, March, I, I went out and I recruited people who I respected and asked, Hey, would you join us? All independents, all of us, normal people working day jobs with families, doing audio drama to entertain you mm-hmm. in our spare time. And, and a lot of those people said, yes. So that's what fate crafters is. It's a co-op of all independents. None of us, none of us make a living or even a cent at <laughs> audio drama. Right. But we all have agreed to cooperate to promote each other. We it's it's that theory, I'm a military person. You never leave a brother, and I use that generically, mm-hmm. brother, sister, non-binary terminology, but you never leave a brother behind. You always, always make sure you only go as fast as your slowest member in the in the in the jog or, or the sprint or whatever it is. And um we all rise together. It's the rising tide raises every yep. ship. And that's what Fate Crafters is, is we've got crime, noir, horror, sci-fi, comedy. Nice. And we're expanding. Um, we, we've hit a hiatus because we grew too fast and we had to work some kinks out. Mm-hmm. But we're at that point now where we're, we actually have to start <laughs> an application process. So here's an exclusive for your audience. I haven't told anybody mm-hmm. that yet. Nice. But we actually have to. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. We're, we're so popular and we're getting so, more, so many requests that we actually have to ask people to apply. We don't want to, mm-hmm. but again, I have a family, I have a full-time job, and I have five shows oh, yeah. that I want to do myself. So we it, it's under that context that we ask people, we're going to ask people here in the near future to apply for it because we just don't have that kind of time. But it's neat. So if you are listening to this interview... Mm-hmm. If you do like fiction, if you do want to support the little person over the corporate, Fate Crafters is the place to start because it's quality stuff. And literally, we're teachers. We got we got a lot of teachers. Yep. Um, we're we're bartenders. Um, we are stock shelvers. We are every. We are you. We are your. We are amongst you right now, and we're doing this at 11 o'clock at night when we're exhausted, um, but we want to tell our stories, and that's who Fate Crafters is. And if I can't get your 
your fans' attentions with that, I don't know what I can do. We are the little people, mm-hmm. and we just want to break. That's And that's why we exist is to help each other out with that. It's true. It's very true, and it's mostly good stuff. Now, let's see. I feel like I had one more. Oh, this is one, and I don't know how much you can talk about this one because it seemed like kind of a— I'll try. It seemed, well, it, <laughs> you made it seem like kind of a secret project for a while. What is, since I don't know anything about it, what is Who Killed Julie? You've mentioned it a couple times. I'm so glad and you asked me about post that. About who killed Julie vaguely, but I don't know what it is. <clears throat> yeah, who? Okay, so here's the thing. I was okay. I like good storytelling, and I was, you know, like a lot of us. I listen when I can to podcast, and I heard a certain podcast. That told the story in a way that I could not tell if it was fiction or fact, mm-hmm. and I loved it. I said, that's genius right there. Now, it was a corporate podcast, right. so I'm not going to give them any love because I'm for the little people. Right. <laughs> but I said, you know what? I want to do a story like that. So the wife and I went camping early in the camping season, and I live in Washington yep. State, so you all can't judge me. And I took I, I took a... I, enjoyed a little bit of our natural enhancements that we get to enjoy out here in Washington. And I was sitting there one day and I said, I've got it. I want to do a crime. I I've done horror Mm -hmm. and I've done comedy. I have not done crime and I'm a big Sue Grafton fan. Judge me if you will, but I love their stuff, man. (laughs) Right. right? Well, it it can be too formulaic for some people. Mm -hmm. So, but I, I love I love following Kinsey's um, adventures. And I thought, I want to do a crime. And I want to do a female-centric crime show. And that's where Who Killed Julie came. Literally, dude, I'm not kidding. I said, I want to do a crime show to my wife over top the campfire. She nodded at me, patted me on the head, and said, (laughs) okay, honey. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And, And the first thing in my face, calling back to the atheist apocalypse thing, the title jumped into my mind. Who Killed Julie? I don't know why. I don't know anybody named Julie, but it was just the title. And from that, it spawned. So Who Killed Julie is a standalone series. It's one and done. Seven episodes, and that's all you're going to get from the story. Um, The voice actor, for any of you who may be interested in my writing, you can check me out at Patreon slash Paul Sading, but she did a story called Maze Flowers. Mm Mm-hmm. And her name is Ashley Lindsay. She's out of Chicago and she has a gorgeous voice. And after doing that show, I heard her from Lauren Nelson from the box podcast. Lauren um, recommended her to me and I, I did I had, I hired her for maze flowers and I said, would you be willing to do a seven episode series? And she said, hell yeah. I love this stuff. Yeah. She didn't say hell yeah. So that's what it that's what it is is Julie was killed in 2013 her body wasn't found for 2 years there's a lot of mystery surrounding what happened to her and what happened to her in that time mm-hmm. and this entire show focuses on this investigation into not only what happened to her but the people who were involved in her life at that time I had a lot of fun writing that show. It actually is going to become a series 
much like the Sue Grafton model, mm -hmm. where Emerald Johnson, the main character, i.e. Ashley Litzy, will do other shows. Okay, very Who cool. Killed Julie is just the start in that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's excellent. I... But like you were saying, there's not a there's a, there's a lot of sci-fi, there's a lot of mm -hmm. horror, but where is everything else? So I wanted to add crime to that uh to that mix, and Who Killed yeah, Julie was perfect. a great. I've way to always do that. liked uh, mystery stories, and you know, um, I'm gonna try to get my wife to listen to Who Killed Julie. She likes podcasts, yeah. but she likes those true crime podcasts. That, and know, that's so the I'm one gonna, thing. So like, you you, you can do. <laughs> You can do me that favor because here, you know, a, a little bit of admission. I'm really worried. I'm really worried because I know the true crime, um, the true crime fans are very protective, and I'm worried about how Who Killed Julie will be received mm -hmm. because it is a fiction work. I I'm passing it off as that borderline thing, exclusive for your fans only, and. I'm, I am worried about, I care enough, you know, like I told you earlier, I care about this story. I care about those characters. Mm -hmm. Anybody who writes fiction will understand this. Those characters are very real to me. They're very important to me. And I care about how people are going to receive them. Right. So what I might do, you and me off air might have a conversation and I might ask your wife to go through some of this and just okay. get her, her unadulterated. I'll, I'll get her to do that. Cause she loves like, um, Oh, we watched, um, making a murderer on Netflix and she listened to, um, what the hell is that popular? God, it's right on the tip of my brain. People loved it. Um, um, on Netflix. No, it was a podcast. It was a true crime podcast and she listened to it. My favorite murder. I've tried to get her. Um, I think she listens to that one, but there's another one. Fuck. It's right on the tip of my tongue, too. Uh, cereal. Cereal. She oh, likes yeah, cereal. Oh, yeah, duh. Duh, duh. Yes, yeah, God, I can't believe it's a. I knew it was right there, and she loved that one and stuff. So <laughs> I'll, I'll give her Who Killed Julie and be like, here, you got to listen to this and see what you think. Because, um, and I know that true crime has become popular enough lately that there's even that spoof show on Netflix now, uh, American Vandal. And yeah. <laughs> uh, my buddy Justin that I do the show with, he says it's really funny. So I've got to check it out because I, I have a hint of the true crime thing just enough that I could probably uh, get a few chuckles out of that. So... All right. The the last thing <laughs> since, uh, I mean, I don't have a time limit on this thing and, and or anything, but you know, podcasts, length, all that stuff, that right. you try, whatever it's, um, well, let's talk real quick since I know you've got, and I mentioned it way back at the beginning of the episode and you mentioned it yourself. You've got a novel that is getting pretty close to being done, I believe. Yes. I actually, I have two of them uh the i i'm gonna talk more about them on a horrible writing mm -hmm. so anybody who's curious and who actually is not put off by my presentation personality or voice can will always stay up to date on horrible mm -hmm. writing but yeah um so it, like you and i talked about early in the podcast we are the masters of our own destiny as consumers, yep. we can go like what we want and we get more of it. So 
I spent a couple years writing Atheist Apocalypse. I was not going to write satire forever, but I fell in love with the characters and the community of the Mm Tri-Counties. So as we were writing season three, I started writing a novel. As we finished season four, I finished the novel and I've called it the scales and it's a, and, and any patrons can go back any patrons of mine can go back and check out the prelude to the prelude. So, um, the scale or the, you've got the tri counties and atheist apocalypse, but if you listen to a story on my Patreon account called the plant, you'll actually get a story before atheist apocalypse and the book will actually be the prelude to that. And I had, Oh my God, man, I had so much fun creating a world before atheist apocalypse mm-hmm. i really it was it was just so enjoyable so it's a it's a horror story with a, some sci-fi elements to it i've taken it to a couple writers slash readers groups all the feedback has been very positive so i'm feverishly working towards completing that in early slash middle of 2018 mm-hmm. The, the other novel I'm working on is essentially I took season one of Subject Found. So anybody who's a fan of that, who thought that was a cool story, um, I actually went back and wrote a novel on it. And that's almost done. That's almost ready to be oh, published. That's pretty cool. And the neat, yeah, the neat thing is, is even if you know Jared's story because you listen to the podcast, mm-hmm. you don't know Jared's story because anybody who reads books knows, obviously, there's a lot more story to be had. Right. That's what I do, and I wanted to give anybody who loved Jared and Maria in that in that story. I wanted to give them more of Jared and Maria, and and Lucas and all those characters in that world, and and that's very very close to being done. Awesome. And I'm gonna do that more and more. Um, in this next month, I'm finishing up auditions for Who Killed Julie. I'm producing the second season of Diary of a Madman, and then. The next thing on my to-do list is to write that second book for Subject Found. So each, ideally, Mm -hmm. (laughs) each season of Subject Found is going to have an accompanied book with it for anybody who actually wants to go dive into those characters a little more. Oh, wow. Then you've, you've got me on board with that one so far. So I'll be, I'll be, I'll be lining up for that. All right. Let's see. I expect to see that Amazon purchase. Right yeah, away. well, that's going to depend. Look at the title of the show you're on, my man. That's going to, it might not be right away. It right? might be like a year and a half after it comes out. Hey, I'll take it, man. Spread it out. Spread yeah. it out. Okay. So, yeah. Well, um, man, I, I I love everything that you've that you've brought for this. So I want you to go ahead and say everywhere that you can be found everywhere on the internet. We would take another two hours to do that. So what I, (laughs) out of consideration for your, your listeners, if you honestly, I know the internet going to websites can suck. Sometimes if you just go over to paulsading.com, it's got everything over Mm, there. You can say, Honestly, the newsletter, I haven't released a newsletter in like two months because I don't believe in spamming people. I only want to release newsletters when I've got something to say. Mm. In, in respect to that, I if you do sign up for it, 
you will get the updates on the sh- you'll be the first ones to get the updates on the shows you'll get free stories things like that so that's where i would push people um otherwise you can go over to at pulsating on twitter or at the pulsating on facebook mm-hmm. i did not choose that uh facebook already had paul sating already taken oh, gotcha trust yep. me i don't believe in myself that much <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think i think a lot of people have been there where you're like oh crap my name's already taken let me put a the yeah, in front sucked. of it or a number one or <laughs> some stupid thing i should have come up with something different besides yeah. the because i get crap all the time but that's yeah. okay but um and, yeah so i mean they can reach out to me yeah, there and, and when and, are, uh, for updates on anything yeah, and when is season two of subject found season whatever it is of atheist apocalypse i've forgotten and season two of diary of a madman so atheist apocalypse season four is coming out on october 31st which is world audio drama mm-hmm. day i will give an exclusive to two broke geeks audience Yay. this will this will be the final season of atheist apocalypse so if you listen <gasps> really? to this podcast Ooh, before I'm surprised even. i didn't even yep. know that yet <laughs> yeah i know you didn't that's why it's an exclusive <laughs> so if you listen before the 17th of october mm-hmm. when i announce it to the world you will be the first Let people to know that this will be the see. last season when is this episode gonna come out it probably won't come out on the it actually might come out on the 17th so (laughs) that would be yeah that might work out well so that's coming out at the end of the month now for diary of a madman i personally do the production uh Mm -hmm. so it's gonna come out my goal is to get it out in november 2018 for subject found uh john mclean from dog and pony studios in in las vegas is working it as fast as he can and I mean, if any of you have gone out and listened to that trailer, mm. you can tell what kind of work he yeah. does. Um, he's doing it as a passion project. Mm. I can't ask any more of him than what I he's out. Yeah, the dude of course is not. And yeah. He does good stuff. Yeah. So yeah, he, does he does great he stuff. Really does. So so um, as soon as we uh, here's what I'll say: as soon as we can, mm. we'll get that out to you. And who killed Julie? Is oh, right. who the next Julie? thing? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, Who Killed Julie is the next thing on my docket after Diary of a Madman. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to go through the auditions, mm-hmm. but then I obviously have to get the actors that are cast to go select their lines. I'll produce that, so I don't have the skills of John or the resources. So, I'm looking at that one for early 2018, cool. I hope. All this stuff takes a lot yeah, of does. time. I wish, the one thing I wish about podcast audiences is I wish they would appreciate the distinction between normal podcasts and audio drama Mm -hmm. audio drama if people could look at audio dramas as a scaled down movie maybe they would understand why it takes us so long to get those things out alert for things down the line for my listeners but just the amount of work that i am putting in on a project that you and i are working on is which i actually need to get back on i've got some things to do for that but it's like just the the amount i'm doing for the small part i am involved in is like well this is a ton of freaking work (laughs) It, it really really is i wasn't sure how much we could actually talk about that but, um, we can talk about it as much or as little as you wanted. <laughs> it's I mean, your show. And, and, well, it's 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 your show. But here here's what I'll I'll share, and maybe we can tease us as we get closer again. You know, even if it's just like a mm-hmm. ten or fifteen minute plug. But 
you know, for fans of this show, Matt actually wrote the the not the next season, but the season after of Diary of a Madman. Mm-hmm. And that is calling back to everything we've talked to tonight. Um he he and I had these long extensive conversations about it. But the one of the things that jumps out at me is the the raw intimacy of that season mm-hmm. is what really speaks to me as a character driven reader of fiction and a lover of audio drama. That's what you created. So your fans who are like, God, who is this dude behind yeah. the mic who talks about movies and pop culture when it comes to season three of, of diary of a madman, not saying that they'll know you, right. but they're going to really get a peek into <laughs> not <laughs> How do I say it? Um, your a lot of your worldview and a and a, a lot of your imagination mm-hmm. in it's a tw- a beautifully twisted perspective to have. It really mm-hmm. is. I'm really excited about getting season two out of the mm-hmm. way. Julie or uh, who killed Julie out of the way, and after I get those things done is when I can start editing. Yeah. Uh, the next round of editing for that that yeah. season, that script. Yeah. I'm looking forward to season two of Diary of a Madman just because the the trailer again hooked me. So I, I'm I'm like, all right, let me let me bring on this next uh, writer's work before I start worrying about my own. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you know the the benefit that I have is I get to see everybody's work, yeah. and you know. Y- you you've got the the thing is is you've got the story there and that's the hook the the refinements are just yeah. that they're the little things that we need to play with but the story yep. is there and, and it hits the spirit of diary of a madman so anybody who likes season one who enjoys season two is gonna def and especially if they're fans of this yeah. show are gonna dig hearing what you get to yeah, do i hope so all right, Paul. Awesome. I'm going to end the show there. We've got a lot of stuff and it's been wicked, wicked awesome having you. It has. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for uh, inviting yep, me on. And I'll, I'll have you back at some point when more of your stuff has come out and we've got more stuff to talk about. <laughs> Deal. <Yeah. laughs> All right. Goodbye to the listeners. The Two Broke Geeks podcast is a production of Two Broke Geeks Entertainment in conjunction with Atomic Geekdom. Find us online at twobrokegeeks.com. We're available on iTunes, Google Play Music, and the Satchel Player app for iPhone and for Android. Please subscribe to us on one of these services and leave us a review. It really helps us out. You can also help us out by following us on Facebook, facebook.com slash twobrokegeekspodcast, following our Twitter at 2BGpod, and following us on Instagram where we are also 2BGpod. Find Atomic Geekdom online at AtomicGeekdom.com and on Twitter at AtomicGeekdom. Thanks. We'll tear your soul apart.